Hello, I'm Chase Blasick, an Asia-Pacific analyst at RAIN. This podcast is brought to you by RAIN Worldview. Subscribe today at stratfor.com. Welcome to RAIN's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're picking up on the topic of China's largest annual political gathering, the National People's Congress and Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference meeting in Beijing. Chase Blazik has been analyzing what's being discussed in larger geopolitical context. He's Asia-Pacific analyst at RAIN. Welcome to the podcast, Chase. Thanks, Emily. Let's talk about the focus of the uh, so-called two sessions this year. What was it? Well, first of all, thanks for uh, naming off those two <laughs> sessions so I don't have to name them because they're lengthy. Um, but but yeah, I mean, the, the general focus can be summarized pretty quickly in don't rock the boat. Um, so this is a tough year for China. Uh, there's the pandemic still going on, the war in Ukraine, which is causing supply chain and diplomatic problems for China. China's own economic slowdown, which is continuing from previous years. And of course, Xi Jinping is looking forward to the end of the year when he's supposed to be starting his third term. So he doesn't want uh, any trouble if he can avoid it. Um, so in the, the main work report, uh, government work report put out during the two sessions, there were a couple goals mentioned, including no drop in employment, no systemic risks, which means don't let real estate collapse. Uh, fiscal policy needs to be efficient and precise, which means there will be support for SMEs, mainly through tax breaks, but you're not going to expect some sort of giant stimulus. Um, there's going to be heavy infrastructure investment as well. Uh, because China needs to make up for the fact that real estate is not building anymore. Um, and that was that fixed asset investment was one of the biggest drivers of China's economy. So now Beijing is putting out extra money for local governments to build uh, any sort of infrastructure they can, including uh, energy, so gas pipelines, but also transportation projects, um, rural utilities, water conservancy projects, all of that um, it also mentioned that the zero COVID is, is here to stay uh, for now. Uh, we've heard multiple reports of Beijing and officials and experts suggesting, hey, maybe we're going to sort of sand off the rough edges of zero COVID and make it less damaging to the economy. And the work report mentioned that as well, but it also made it um, abundantly clear the number one priority is still keeping infections at bay. And the second priority is minimizing economic damage of those uh, COVID restrictions. Uh, and lastly, the work report mentioned a number of key concerns um, of the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, foremost is the dropping global demand for Chinese exports. Uh, as the world recovers, people shift um, their consumption, at least partially shift from products to services. And China is good at exporting products mainly. So that means a lower demand for Chinese exports as well as unstable commodities markets, as we're seeing worldwide, you know, food, energy, fertilizer, and other agricultural and industrial inputs. And so much of the work report made references to Chinese government efforts to procure sufficient supplies of all of these goods over the next year. Chase, as you mentioned at the beginning, not just the war, but the ongoing uh, fallout from the pandemic has impacted prices and supply chains around the world. And yet China released some pretty ambitious figures for growth. Can you talk about some of the key figures that made it out of this meeting? Yeah, of course. The, the big one is the GDP growth rate, right? This was 5.5%, or I, I guess it said about 5.5%. So they gave themselves some wiggle room 
Um, this is low for China. Uh, most years are much higher than this, but most uh, external and internal estimates, including some of China's top think tanks, um, were not getting close to 5.5%. They were lower than that. Um, and you saw Pr Premier Li Keqiang actually stating during the two sessions, yes, we know this is aggressive, uh, but we're planning on meeting it. Um, so amid a fraught year, uh, the, the constraints I mentioned earlier, this is an aggressive target. Other targets that were less discussed, and one of them that I thought was interesting was, was consumer price inflation. In 2021, this was 0.9% in China, which is pretty good compared to most countries. Uh, but the 2022 estimates are that consumer price inflation will hit 3%, um, which again is decent for the world, but for China, that's, that's a bit high. Um, the good thing is uh, consumer price inflation could actually help with China's exports, um, could help make exports more attractive, um, but it'll still be going against dropping global demand, which is much more likely to influence. Um, there was a fiscal deficit too, which wasn't too surprising. What was interesting was um, spending included about 1.65 trillion yuan of surplus SOE slash monopoly profits, which they went on to explain. This is basically the central bank saying we made a bunch of money on our foreign reserves over the last year, and we're going to dump some of this as well into the budget. Um, this sort of you know rejiggering or moving this, uh, moving money from this pile to that, uh, isn't unheard of. But it usually happens in years when Beijing is really trying to mobilize growth and to keep um, economic growth from slowing down. And then, of course, it, it didn't mention, um, one of the figures not mentioned was land sales. Um, real estate is a big moneymaker for local governments in China because local go governments lease out land to companies, which then sell real estate. And this is the primary source of local government revenue. And usually the work report mentions this, and they didn't mention this figure at all, and that's because real estate sales dried up in 2021. Were there any topics notably missing from the two sessions work report? Yeah, I mean, I, I can jump on the, the the last one first here. That local debt problem I mentioned is that they didn't mention land sales, of course, um, but but the implication of that is um, as local government revenues are down, even as the government's trying to to throw more money at local governments to encourage spending and in infrastructure projects, this means. Local governments will be spending pretty heavily early in the year to, to boost uh, economic growth with these infrastructure projects. But then later in the year, they're going to run into those same cash and, and debt issues they've had in previous years, except they're not going to have the revenues they need to sort of buffer those. And so this is kicking the can down the road for local government debt issues down to you know 2023 or possibly beyond, depending upon how that year goes. Uh, knock on wood, it's better than this. Um, other topics that I wouldn't say were deprioritized, but they were less prioritized, right? Um, this includes uh, China's emissions intensity reduction goals. Uh, so China's been quite big on pushing for uh, their green goals, emissions reductions, the energy transition, all of that. Um, but this year's work report included no implementation details or goals for 2022 for emissions reductions and simply pointed to the five-year plan saying, yeah, remember those goals we made for 2026? Well, those still remain the same, but they didn't mention many goals for this year. Um, so it's, it's sort of, again, kicking the can down the road. And then, of course, there was Belt and Road as well, this sort of uh, external investment project slash construction project China's been going on since at least 2013. And it was just given very little mention in the work report. Um, there has been a long-term drop in financing for BRI, 
And the work report did mention a focus on land sea access projects, which is basically more transportation corridors, energy pipelines, etc. Um, but that goes along with that goal I mentioned or earlier of having stable supplies to key commodities. Outside of that, BRI was um, almost absent from this report. Chase Blazik is an Asia Pacific analyst with Rain. Thank you for that analysis, Chase. Thank you, Emily. You can follow China's role as a driver of global geopolitics and its long-term domestic goals. Subscribe to Rain Worldview. Right now, we have a special subscription offer. Visit stratfor.com for details. That's stratfor.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. Thank you.